Do you live in the middle of nowhere and feel separated from the church? Yeah, that's me. Or do you think the church is out of touch? Absolutely. Then this podcast is for you. Coming to you from the Diocese of Sioux City. What? Where the hell is Sioux City? Welcome to Outcast Catholic with your hosts, Father Shane Demon and Father Travis Crotty. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this edition of Outcast Catholic. I am your host, Father Shane Demon, and I am flying solo today. Father Travis Crotty is uh, hard at work in his parish, saving souls left and right. And we do a little shout out to Father Travis. Sorry he couldn't be here with us. I am coming to you from the Great Diocese of Des Moines at the Christ Our Life Conference, uh, an event for a big regional conference that happens every other year here in Des Moines. And we are pleased to have a very special guest today with us. One of the guest headliners of the Christ Our Life Conference, Sister Miriam James Highland of the Salt Community. Sister, welcome to this podcast. Hi, Father. Your fans are so excited to have you on this. Look at them all just cheering for you. It's great. That's the first time that's ever happened in my entire life. <laughs> what? When people have you on their pockets, they don't have like weird sound effects that just chime I'm in? Never. I never. I feel honored right now. I got the applause button. I don't even know how to react. This is so great. <laughs> Well, this was, uh, that's a fake applause, of course, but we're still <laughs> thrilled to have you on Thank this. You. Um, and there actually is a pretty large crowd here. You know, yeah. the Christ Our Life Conference a couple of years ago had between like five, 6,000 people. Bishop Barron was here. Matt Frad was speaking. And then, of course, in the midst of a pandemic, you know, not quite the crowd. But uh, I'm really impressed with the turnout here that are joining us live, yes. even with social distancing measures. And a lot of people are tuning in online. Yeah, it's, it's just, I think it's so wonderful just to be together again. Mm-hmm. I mean, people often say, well, it's not what it was a few years ago, but just just to be together in the same place, I think, is really life-giving for so many people. Absolutely. I, uh, You and I were visiting earlier. I've just been in several hours of confessions today at yes. the conference. And uh, just the craving desire to be back into a, a sacramental rhythm for so many people. Mm-hmm. And to just worship together, even if there's not lots of vocal singing in the midst of the congregation, just being together, you're exactly right. Mm-hmm. That, that sense of unity uh, that comes in the midst of the family of believers is, is a great thing. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing like it. I mean, you know, I'm grateful for technology. I'm grateful that it unites us in a certain way. But there's just nothing like being in the presence of another person. Yeah. yeah so we're grateful to be able to do that. Yeah, very much so. Well, thank you for taking the time in the midst of your busy schedule here yeah, at the Christ Our Life Conference. And uh, for those of you who don't know about the conference, uh, look it up online, Christ Our Life Conference from the Diocese of Des Moines, a great event that's probably been going on uh, probably about a dozen years now. A lot of internationally known speakers come in, um, filling the the Wells Fargo Arena every other year and uh, really providing a sense of hope and uh, a lot of great sacramental outreach to so many in this area. So please check it out and view Sisters uh, Talks online as well. That'll be available. (laughs) Throughout the, uh, throughout the conference weekend. Sister, this podcast uh, is called Outcast Catholic, and we're seeking to, to speak to those who might feel a little outcast from the church, whether they feel a little disenfranchised from larger movements or larger communities. Some might feel disenfranchised just from other practicing Catholics, especially among our young adults. And then, of course, we want to address with sincerity any, of, any folks out there who have real reservations about the church. Yeah. I think that, you know, Catholicism is itself an outcast and really needs to catch up to the modern world. And yet in the midst of that, you know, regardless of where you find yourself in the universal church, in the diocesan church, or even in a relationship with your own parish, 
you, we can also look in the personal interior life of, of each believer, or even a non-believer for that matter, and take a look and say, well, where might I feel like an outcast? Am I an outcast unto myself? Oh, yeah. Am I an outcast to you know, others around me, if I, particularly if I feel that way? And uh, as I stand before the Lord and I come to prayer, as I come to the sacraments, do I think I'm just an absolute worthless outcast before him? So I thought we might lean into that topic a little bit today and uh, get some of your expertise from some of the great work that you have been doing. And perhaps, you know, just to begin, maybe you could share a little bit with our listeners of what you have been doing in this area with the JP2 Institute and things like that. Sure, sure. Uh, well, just tell you a little about myself. You know, I grew up Catholic in a small town myself, um, north of uh, Portland, Oregon, and my parents, we went to Mass every Sunday, but I had never fallen in love with Christ. And so I... Uh, came to Christ through the intervention of a, just a wonderful holy Catholic priest who, when I was playing Division One volleyball in college, you know, when I worked for ESPN, I was also an addict. And I just had a lot of things happening, a lot of self-hatred, a lot of my own internal outcast. I mean, whoo, don't we all know that? And it was just a long, slow conversion. And uh, 22 years ago, I heard the Lord call me to be his bride. So I've been doing that ever since. And so I was in religious life for several years before I realized I had any problems. I thought everybody else had problems. <laughs> I was like, y'all need to get your act together. I'm sure. fine. Like, I don't know what <laughs> you people, if you get sure. your yeah, <laughs> Lord is so kind. Yeah, until I, I realized that I myself was tremendously broken, and I was so self unaware. I had no idea that the trauma that happened to me as a child was still affecting me to this day. Mm. And people often say, um, just just being in healing ministry for so many years now, people often say, "Well, you know, well, you should leave the past in the past," which is fine unless the past is being lived out in the present, which is what right. it usually always is. Yeah, those symptoms stay exactly, yeah. and so. Um, I think, you know, for about 15 years ago, I was in religious life for a few years, and I just hit bottom, and I was like, I can't, I don't know what's wrong, but I can't go on like this. And it was just a, a direct intervention, another intervention from the Lord of like, okay, I need to start looking at these things. And that was 15 years ago, very serious, very serious, you know, work, and that still continues, thank God, to this day. Mm-hmm. So uh, for the past about eight years, I've worked with a healing ministry called the John Paul, um, the John Paul II Healing Center. They're out of Tallahassee, and Dr. Bob Schutz, who's the founder, is one of my mentors. Uh-huh. And so I do a lot of work on their staff and things like that. And we do a lot of retreats for priests and just all kinds of things. And I, I, I realize now, after being a conference speaker for so many years and just hearing stories from all walks of life all over the nation, um, people want to know, at the end of the day, thank God they don't want to meet me. That's the most beautiful thing. People, first and foremost, want to know that they're unconditionally loved. Right. And that might sound like a Hallmark card, but it's not. Because every single one of us, like you in your life and my life, we just sat here on the couch and we talked for a long time before we started recording this. And we were just talking about just the human heart and the desire to be seen mm-hmm. and to be known. Mm-hmm. And so every single one of us uh, wants to be seen and to be known and to belong. Mm-hmm. And you see that from the Garden of Eden and Adam and Eve. And you see the fracture of it. And it's the it's the eternal song that wants to be sung in every one of our hearts. We want to know that we belong, that some people say that there's a seat at the table mm-hmm. where I can feel comfortable in my own skin mm-hmm. and I can be loved. Mm-hmm. And that's the journey of, of the human soul. Is where, That's why Jesus comes. He comes to bring us into communion, into the relationship between God the Father and in the Holy Spirit in himself. That's what he does. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so often I think I'm coming at this from the, from the perspective of a priest. Mm-hmm. When I meet so many people, often in confession, but sometimes just in pastoral counseling sessions, they're, they're just starting to take a look at this idea of I, something's awry, something's amiss in my life, and I don't feel unconditionally loved, whether it's by family members or friends. And many will say, I don't feel that from God. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
drawing them into a sense of communion yes. and drawing them into an actual encounter with the Lord, particularly through the grace of the sacraments, uh, requires some vulnerability. Yeah. It requires kind of some self-honesty. Mm-hmm. Um, but then that immediately opens up this huge threshold to be crossed into broad community, right? Yes. And, and real relationship. Mm-hmm. And uh, everyone's kind of craving that, but you can't just necessarily... Um, and I welcome your thoughts on this. You can't just necessarily just jump into communion, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, unless you're going to bring kind of a false persona with you, yes. right? So to get to a, get to an uh, authentic sense of belonging, to get to a, a sense of community, uh, that old spiritual adage of knowing thyself mm-hmm. and uh, recognizing oneself with honesty mm-hmm. in order to bring that into a, an authentic encounter, I think really needs to be a first step. Mm-hmm. That's very true, and I, Dietrich von Hildebrand has a wonderful uh, philosophical work called The Heart, and he's calls, it's, he talks about human and divine affectivity, and he talks about, uh, to, you know, about the, towards the middle of the book, he talks about the human heart is the center of the person. You know, the, that when we, when we love somebody, what we really want is, it's fine if they spend time with us and they share intellectual ideas, but what we really want is their heart. Mm. We, that's what we really want. And, so, and that requires the beloved, that requires the friend, that requires the parent to um, allow their hearts to be seen. And like you said, and, and really all of us have different, we have different facets of the story, but all of us are the, are the same really at the heart. We, like we want to be seen by the heart, we want to receive the heart, we want to somebody to know us and to love us, and that requires us to be honest. And like you said, it requires us to be vulnerable before the Lord. I mean, even the word vulnerable means ability to be wounded, mm-hmm. you know, that be vulnerable before the Lord, before people who authentically love us. Uh, and there's varying you know levels of appropriate vulnerability depending on the relationship, but that that's that's what we want, and we we so often live with our fig leaves. All of us have fig leaves that are very sophisticated, mm-hmm. where we've learned how to protect ourselves from pain. Where we learned through childhood wounds that it felt like trusting wasn't safe, or mom and dad weren't there for me, or you know. So we learn, quote unquote, learn things along the way, and they become these very sophisticated self defense mechanisms. And then you know, Jesus comes to us and he says, you know, come to me, all you who labor and are weary, and I will give you rest. And we're like, yeah, right, because mm-hmm. <laughs> it doesn't seem safe. Right. And so uh, that. That slow uncovering of even the beginnings of what's happening in my life now, like we often talk about, what's your most pressing symptom? Like what is the story that keeps playing out every day in your life? What is the memory that keeps coming? What is the overarching ache in your heart? What, what's that saying? Because our hearts are always trying to tell us something. And usually we either minimize it or we blame it on somebody else or we say, oh, that doesn't make it, it's you know, not a big deal. Your heart is always trying to tell you something and mm-hmm. it's valuable information. Very much so. Mm-hmm. And you've got a lot of experience now having done this with the JP2 Center, mm-hmm. of watching people kind of go under their vulnerabilities. And while that's difficult work, it's, I'm sure you find it very, uh, very rewarding at the same time to see some of these great breakthroughs in which people can feel like I don't have to be an outcast unto myself any longer. Mm-hmm. And I certainly don't have to feel like I'm an outcast Onto the Lord. Um, uh, I once met a woman who just said, uh, well, I'm just worthless before God. Mm. And I thought, oh my, (laughs) I don't know who you think you are as a worthless creature. And I certainly don't know who you think the father is (laughs) Mm -hmm. by viewing his, his handiwork as worthless. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there's quite a bit of healing. Let's, let's break that down, you know, and talk through that. Uh, And, and accompanying people on this journey, as I'm sure you found is very rewarding. Yes, and I think probably like you, when you hear confessions or as a priest where people come and speak to you of their deepest sorrows, for me, that is the most sacred thing. 
Mm-hmm. I really feel every time somebody shares with me, I it, for me it's holy ground, mm-hmm. and it's to be revered. Mm-hmm. These are like the inner sanctums of the soul. These are things where people say, I've never told anybody this, or, oh, this might seem stupid, but, and it's this cavern into seeing in the heart of somebody and i it's so it to me it is so sacred Mm -hmm. gosh it's so sacred so yes and i think and because what happens father in these things is that when we have these areas of woundedness and all of us do or we have these self-defense mechanisms usually what's happening is they're they're um, covered in lies that we believe about ourselves so for example the woman speaking to you is i'm worthless before god Mm -hmm. i guarantee there's a whole story behind that and as people, we live in story, we live in narrative. So we're always creating stories. And we, we've all done this today, probably. Somebody cut you off on the freeway or somebody, and you, you, you tell yourself a story. Right. Very few of us have, like, this objective kind of space to say, well, that person's probably having a really bad day, you know, right. and it's nothing to do with me. But usually we're like, I, I must have done something, or it's my fault, or see, this always happens to me. See, I'm always the victim. It's just, it's fascinating how these stories affect how we love people, how we don't love people, how we meet. I mean, it's just, so knowing ourself in the Lord is so incredibly important that this encounter with him every day where we're taking our hearts to the Lord and we're saying like, why am I doing this? Like, what, what is this? Like, why do when I, when I see that person, I, I experience anger. When I see the situation, like I get frustrated or I feel sad, like what, what's happening here? And it's not us like you used to in the voyage of the dawn treader. It's not us scratching at ourselves like a dragon. It's coming to this place in the Lord within ourselves saying, Lord, please reveal me to myself. Cause I don't, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I need you to tell me the truth here right. so he can tell me the truth. Right. And I think there's a lot of people who aren't quite willing to, to go into that truth, yeah. to look uh, deeply into the mirror of the soul mm-hmm. and say, I, I'm going to go into the depths of the heart here. And I always remind people, you don't have to go alone, right? Yeah, I mean, the, alone, the, the yeah. church, well, first of all, the Holy Spirit's always with you, right? Yes. But the church wants to accompany you. Mm-hmm. You know, she has some lanterns to bring with you mm-hmm. in confession, in spiritual direction, in pastoral counseling, and there's resources that the church can provide too, with you know, uh, psychological you know counseling and things, to to walk into these darker chambers of the heart, and one doesn't have to go in alone, and then in there perhaps feeling vulnerable to try interpret it alone. No, you Th- usually is, can't do that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Trying to kind of be your own spiritual director and psychologist doesn't really go well when you're in your vulnerability. No, it's so, so true. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so people don't have to do this alone. And, and I would hope they would take uh, a sense of, of comfort and hope in this message mm-hmm. to say there are resources for me in which I can go into my authenticity yes. and, uh, and then they're from, from that position of security, find greater freedom. Mm-hmm. Might, maybe feeling vulnerable at first, but find greater freedom after that. Oh, definitely. I, and I think you know, part of us, the reason why we don't want to go into these areas of trauma or these areas in our life is because we're afraid that our deepest fears are going to be confirmed. Mm. Like, I'm afraid if I go into this, it's true that I'm worthless or it's true that I'm not loved or it's true that I'm this disgusting, awful person. And what we find is when we journey in these places and the Lord is with us because he's always with us. God is sovereign. He's is present every moment. And we have people in our life that love us. The truth that's spoken there is those lies that darkness is shattered and we come into the truth of who we are. Even if we've done something horrendously awful, even in those moments, we see what the Lord is revealing to us, what our hearts were really looking for, that there's a pathway forward, that healing can happen. And so, yes, that that truth that we are never alone and that we don't 
you know, if Chris Stefanik, he's a very well-known Catholic speaker. He says, it's great. He's like, your mind is like a bad neighborhood. Don't go in there alone. Sure. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, we can get stuck in ourselves and like we tell ourselves these stories because we can't interpret that. And so I know for myself, one of the things that I do is I always recommend, I, the hands down, the, the best book that I recommend to people on healing is called Be Healed mm-hmm. by Dr. Bob Schutz. And mm-hmm. I just, there's so much, he's a, been a marriage and family therapist for 40 years and just his journey of his own healing and his own family that continues to this day. And just the, the identity lies that we talk about in the wounds and kind of how the Lord speaks to us and how we grow in security, maturity, and purity. It is the number one resource I recommend to people in that area, which is a great start for people to even begin the journey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've, I've worked with several people who have used that same text mm-hmm. and they've just found it to be, you know, almost life-changing. Yes. Really. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Be yeah. healed. Dr. Bob Schutz. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, do you suppose that there's also, in addition to kind of the fear of I don't want to have my deepest um, fears confirmed if I go into those vulnerable areas of my life. I also wonder if there's a, a maybe a secondary fear that, okay, if I go into my vulnerabilities and look around a little bit and I find my true self, if I look at my true self before God and if everything that Jesus tells me about in scriptures is accurate and if what the church has told me is actually accurate, well, then there's a fear uh, potentially on the horizon of, well, what is that going to cost me? Yeah. You know, wh- what am I being called to after that? Mm-hmm. If this truth of Jesus loving me, and if I'm supposed to really be a temple of the Holy Spirit, and if the Father really just delights in me as a son or a daughter, what response or what mission will flow forth from that? Mm-hmm. So I think there's also a fear, too, yeah. in which people are not quite willing to you know, well, if I can just sit here in the lies, yeah. <laughs> if I can, I can, if I can just huddle down and hunker down in the lies, then I actually don't have to take accountability for what might be demanded of me if I were to actually really understand my identity and what I could be capable of. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I, I think that that secondary fear can creep in um, once someone starts to realize, hey, maybe I am hiding behind some lies here, mm-hmm. and this isn't. Uh, this isn't the true me, and therefore it's not actually how God sees me, nor is it leading me on the path of what God wants me to follow. Amen, Father. And, you know, Pope Benedict says that the one who has hope lives differently. Mm. So that it does, it requires us to live differently, which is why I love, I think it's in the Gospel of John chapter 5, when Jesus asks the paralytic man, do you want to be well? Mm-hmm. Do you want to be well? And yeah. I mean, you actually want to get healed. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Do you want to be on this journey? And uh, when I'm really honest with myself, there are certain things I can name in my life and say, yes, I want to be well. And then when I'm really honest, right, I have these other parts where I'm like, can I get back to you on that? Like, let me, right. think, let me think about that for a second because I kind of like this little resentment that I have. It's just wonderful. Sure. But, you know, ultimately, it's, those are our own self-defense mechanisms. But it's true, Father, because if, if it's true, like, so here we have the Christ Our Life Conference. If it's true that Christ is our life, mm-hmm. that he's not our hobby, that he's not our political savior, that he's not an ideology, but if it's true that he's a person and that Christ is my life, then that means I'm going to live differently. Mm-hmm. And what does that mean? Like, what does that cost? Like, in a sense of what, what does that... And we talk about a demand in love, not a demand out of performance, but a demand in love that's going to call me into communion, which means my life is going to look different. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, that's what we want. But yes, it's that, that fear of like, oh my gosh, what, what's going to happen? That means I'm going to have to grow. I'm going to have to mature and grow. And, and that can be scary sometimes mm-hmm. if we're honest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You know, you and I both are big fans of Father Jacques Philippe, one of oh, the great yes. spiritual authors yeah. of the day. And he has a small little book on the Beatitudes. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with yes, it. Yes, I am. Um, 
There's a wonderful passage in there, a few paragraphs that he devotes to um, merciful, mm. the beatitude of the blessed are the merciful, right? Um, and he points out that when we cannot extend mercy, um, we are often kind of hiding in a, in a position of superiority. Oh, yeah. You know, like, I, I don't actually want to extend forgiveness to this person mm. because I get to hold on to my victimhood. Yes. And I get to just feel morally superior. And I will remind myself for the rest of my life that because they hurt me, I'm actually better. Because they're a wicked person and I'm better and I'm the victim. And I'm just going to claim that superior status so for life. Yes, so true. And if we were to surrender that, mm-hmm. you know, in the, in the sense of wherever we find our vulnerabilities or anywhere we need healing, if there's forgiveness and mercy that needs to be brought into that discussion or into that healing process, if we're willing to surrender that superiority, mm-hmm. uh, boy, just, you know, get off the pedestal for one minute and the Lord, when the Lord heals you, he's going to throw you on a much higher pedestal mm-hmm. in your healed state, right? Yes. Oh, yeah, because all that is is a self-defense mechanism. Yeah. That attitude that we all have at times is our own self-defense mechanism from serious pain. Right. So I assume the attitude of superiority because it's so painful that I can't bear it. So that it's just a facade. And I, I love what you're saying because, I, you know, a couple years ago I was on a silent retreat with a Jesuit priest. And we were talking about these very things of like how Jesus Christ is naked and vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And he's transparent. He has no self-defense mechanisms. He has no facades. Like he is, yes, yes means yes and no means no. And he said, Sister Mary, Jesus Christ is teaching us what it means to be human. Mm. To, could you imagine? I mean, I don't know about you, but like, could you imagine living that free? Like, could you imagine living that free that no matter what people said about you, that you could respond with love, mm-hmm. that you could live without any sort of trying to like pretend you're smarter than you are or like be just that you just are and that you know you're loved and you walk in that. And I just, that's so radical. Like mm-hmm. I just, and amen, Lord, I want to live like that. But it's, it's daunting and it's because it's crucifying. Sure. But it's only through that that we come to the resurrection. Exactly. There, he really is serious when he says, <laughs> you have to embrace the cross. Yeah, I know. Yeah, right? there's going to be a good Friday before Easter Sunday. <laughs> Suck it up, Charlie, yeah, you know. Yeah. But in doing so, look at the freedom that comes around. Amen. And, uh, and look at the glory that shines forth on Easter Sunday, yeah. uh, which just completely dwarfs um, the horror of Good Friday. Yes. I mean, so much light on Easter Sunday that you can't even see the shadows that were around Calvary. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's what's possible in the healing process that the Lord wants for all of us. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't want us to stay outcast to ourselves and certainly not outcast before him and his, mm-hmm. his uh, wonderful mercy, but also wonderful divine love. Mm-hmm. Uh, sister, as we uh, you know, kind of uh, bring this to a conclusion, any uh, recommendations, maybe some initial steps or so, some things that someone might want to keep in mind if they're just on the initial stages mm-hmm. of examining, am I an outcast to myself or before the Lord? Mm-hmm. I think noticing and just asking the Lord and you know, noticing those parts of our hearts, just like what's, what's our pressing symptoms, what's happening. Uh, I once heard a speaker say, and he's really wonderful what he does. He's like, he always listens when he's listening to people's stories. He listens to areas of shame and contempt. Mm. So do you have parts of your story that you're ashamed of? Do you have contempt in your life for yourself or for other people? And he said, those are usually indicative of, of deep areas of pain. Mm. So I think just, you know, for at the beginning of just kind of becoming aware of our interior life, like what's stirring in your heart? Are there parts of your life that you don't ever want to tell anybody? Are there parts of your life that you are, you know, so just that in itself is a kind of taking stock of our story and then bringing those parts to the Lord. I, I think the Lord heals us in many different ways. I mean, obviously he heals us through sacrament of reconciliation and Holy Eucharist. He heals us through spiritual direction. He heals us through counseling, through 12-step meetings, through books like 
like Dr. Bob Shoots, Be Healed. There's so many ways. Good friendships. Authentic love heals broken love. Mm -hmm. And wherever authentic love is in a relationship, healing will always occur. Mm -hmm. So I think those are steps, too, of, of, like you said, so beautifully, that we don't go alone, and they're going with people. But we first must start within our own hearts and before the Lord and and allow him to open our hearts. That's beautiful. Well, sister, I appreciate your insights, uh, your expertise, not only just because you're a, you know, a, a, an instructor and uh, you know a speaker with the uh, the JP2 Center, but the authenticity that comes forth from your own journey. Mm. You know, you have been willing to everything that we've been talking about here. You have been willing to dive in and are still diving into. Yep. You know, none of us are are finished products here, this side of heaven. Um, and, and your willingness to do that, I know, is just bearing fruit, not only for yourself, but for so many other people. Mm-hmm. So thank you for just sharing your insights. It's a, it's a great uh, help, not only for me, but I know for all of our listeners as well. Oh, thank so you. So keep Father. up the good work. <laughs> thank you so much. And just a blessing to all of your listeners and um, to allow the Lord to bring you into communion to all these places. So thank you so much. It's been a delight. Well, you're welcome. Thanks for joining us for Outcast Catholic. And to all of our listeners, thanks for tuning in today. And also check out uh, online any of the resources provided by the Christ Our Life Conference. We're pleased to be uh, coming to you from this great event. Uh, every other year, it's, it's a wonderful gathering in the upper Midwest for people to, uh, to find the Lord more deeply in their life and to support one another, especially in the midst of these challenging times. So God bless. Know of our prayers. And sister, thank you again. Thank you so much. God bless you. Thanks for tuning in. Send your questions and comments to outcastcatholic at gmail.com. Catch you next time, and God bless.